If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Businesses and if every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. In the economy as a whole, but for some firms, it has rather impacted positively on their fortunes. Well, that's a story of leading wax print company GTP, which is cashing in on the situation. There is more in today's business journal. Textiles, they say, imprint the experiences of memorable events in our lives, be they exciting or gloomy as the coronavirus. Here in Ghana, a leading local textile firm, GTP, is giving a positive narrative to the coronavirus pandemic. Chronicling national events from the lockdown to the various presidential updates, I sat with Stephen Bedu, head of sales for GTP. With the onset of COVID-19, the challenge we sought to address was how do we tell the story of COVID-19 in a positive light? This is where all the magic happens. These creatives are the brains behind the three popular textile designs in the Ghanaian market. Fellow Ghanaians, Lockdown and Nana Spectacle. Oh yeah, you heard right. Our president, His Excellency Nanado, you would notice that every time he addresses the nation, his salutation was always fellow Ghanaians. Fellow Ghanaians, good evening and thank you for having me in your homes once again. This was a nice phrase to name the designs which we're going to introduce and therefore we came up with fellow Ghanaians. The other thing about those addresses that is, is the president's iconic spectacles. You can't miss it. If you, in a nutshell, this is the rationale behind um, these two collections that we introduced onto the market uh, some few weeks ago. As part of the things we do, we try to capture events and um, activities that go on, which are landmark in our history. Edu Asari oversees the creative desk of GTP. He walked me through the hidden details of these popular COVID-19 textiles. We find chains and pallets to the chains. So it was like we were all shut in. That was the concept. So, so this one has to do with the airports being locked. The restrictions on air movements. Air, air movements, okay. So you see fans like the airplane fan blazed with the pallets. And it came out really nice. The popular fellow Ghanaian's print was created by Franklina Didinati. This design has glasses on them, similar to the signature ones worn by Ghana's president, Nanade Dankua Akufuado. How do you feel? I feel very great and happy because at least I'm seeing people are liking it and they are also buying it. 
Demand for these collections have skyrocketed, and for a textile company previously struggling to stay afloat, not more than 100,000 yardages of textiles hit the market daily. We are amazed by the reaction of the public to this fabric. We've run out, we had to quickly set in motion the process to, to print some more. The textiles industry is a whole value chain. I visited this sewing shop owned by Linda Ashon. I'm interested to know how much revenue dressmakers are raking in. As for this cloth, the people are patronizing it. I've been stitching it a lot every day. Three months ago, dressmakers would have had their shops under lock and key as restrictions on movement halted every aspect of business in Ghana. Things have changed for the better, and they are positive of making gains from the coronavirus. What's the name of this one? <laughs> this, one, this is my fellow Ghanaians. <laughs> so you had it right. But what particular feature of this cloth catches your attention? Is the spectacles. <laughs> that that's our president's spectacles, and it's it's so lovely. <laughs> I believe there are other textures that you've tried as well. Yes, I uh, have done the, the lockdown. The lockdown too is very nice, so colorful. It's lovely. It's not just a historic indication of the fact that we are putting together the impacts of COVID-19 in print, but also how much these guys are reaping in in terms of the benefits in the long to medium term. I'm Charles Eiter reporting for Joy Business. Well, and that's it for the Joy Business Report. And coming up next is The Local Room with George Addo Jr. Do stay. As we continue to fight COVID-19 together, Ecobank offers you several ways to stay home, stay safe, and take control of your finances. Use Ecobank Mobile whenever, wherever, with or without an Ecobank account to send money through SMS and email. Also buy airtime, pay bills, and much more from the comfort of your home. For high-value transactions, use our internet banking services. Ecobank QR code enables you to make cashless digital payments when paying for goods and services. Download the Ecobank Mobile about today from the Google Play Store, App Store, or from our Facebook page. Additionally, dial the short code star 770 hash from any phone and start transacting. Echobank cares. Remember to observe social distancing, wash your hands frequently, and don't touch your face. For further assistance, can we call Echobank Contact Center on 3225 anytime, any day. Toll free. Stay home, stay safe. Echobank, the Pan-African Bank. Joy 99.7 FM. May I please have your attention for the following announcements? Osaberi Ma Opari Adu the second, Ahira Sehen, Okoji Aman Krudia the second, Asunahen, Ashiasi, Ukiapim, Owahene Ajoya Boa, Asunahema, Ashiasi, Obusiapeni Jan Akuto, UK, of Akusika family, Ashiasi, Evangelist Daniel Kolenda. President CFEN and Reverend John K. Daku, African Director CFEN, regret to announce the demise of their beloved Kwame Kwachi Briney, aka Bra Kwame. He worked in the Lagos office of Bonke Crusade as head of finance and administration. Funeral arrangements are as follows There will be no way keeping. 
Fallon Pass takes place on Saturday, the 11th of July, 2020, at Transitions Asori Junction, Atomic Kwabinya Main Road, Hacho, Accra, at 8 a.m. Burial Service, Private Burial Service at Transitions Asori Junction, Atomic Kwabinya Main Road, Hacho, Accra, from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Interment, Private Burial on Saturday, the 11th of July, 2020, at Ahirase Ikiapem Cemetery. Final funeral ride takes place on Monday, the 13th of July, 2020, at Ahirase Ikiapem at 9 a.m. Widow, Mrs. Angela Baini. Mother, Obaapini Felicia Echambia Baini. Children, Naomi Nyako, Yao Achia Baini. Ya Kwabia Baini. Kwame Ofusu Baini. Nana Kojo Baini and Kwame Achia Baini. Strictly by invitation. That's all for the announcements. Thank you very much for your attention. For all your sports news and the locker room. Hello, I'm Sarah Mulkerns, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the very best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. The UEFA Champions League bounces back on the 7th of August after the season was put on hold in March due to the COVID-19 outbreak with four of the eight round of 16 ties concluded. Di Maria to take it. It's allowed to go through, and in it goes from Neymar. He shoots again and scores again. Well, he's the super shot tonight for Atletico Madrid. Hugo Gomez with the delivery. In came Hatterboa. First blood, Atalanta. The Dutch international with his very first Champions League goal. And this Italian adventure continues. Atlanta, Atletico Madrid, Leipzig, Paris Saint-Germain are through to the quarters. But these sides look for the same status in early August. Pulls it back and there's the goal, which is smashed in by Serge Gnabry. It's in now! It's Reece James off the bench, the 19-year-old. What a night and stop it. Proudly taken by Aguero as Manchester City lead by a goal to nil. Here's Vinicius, here's Isco, what a chance, and he scores. Messi takes over, Messi's shot, it is a magnificent goal. Callahan, Insignia scores! Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Juventus, Real Madrid, Napoli, Lyon and Manchester City will begin the new phase by completing the round of 16 ties and then proceed to this morning's quarterfinal draw. Battle lines drawn then and we have analysis on where the chips may likely fall on the 23rd of August in Lisbon, Portugal. There's still life in the title races in Spain and Italy as Real Madrid and Juventus bid to pull further away from the chasing pack. We have a special preview to games to come, keenly involving Barcelona, Lazio and Inter Milan. But in England, it's more about the heated top four race. Oh, it's been fumbled by Leno. 
and followed up by Christian Eriksen. And despite all Arsenal's threat at the other end of the field, it's Tottenham who break the deadlock in the North London derby. And Kane easily beats the German and Tottenham make it 2-0. Yeah, to be fair, a decent penalty from Harry Kane. Uh, lots of pace straight in the corner. Lacazette, here he is! Brilliant finish! Lacazette blasted into the Tottenham net! Surely the North London derby leads the way this weekend in the English Premier League with sides on the place in Europe. Chelsea face Sheffield United, Bournemouth play Leicester City and Liverpool continue their chase for 100 points against Burnley. We have a preview ahead. Also coming up... Lights out and away we go! And Bottas gets away very nicely indeed. Verstappen alongside Lando Norris. Albon and Hamilton going wheel to wheel as Bottas. But Valtteri Bottas wins the season opener here in Austria because of Lewis Hamilton's penalty. And by a tenth of a second, Lando Norris is a podium sitter. For the first time ever in Formula 1, two races are taking place on the same track in the same season. That's not only the unusual feature, as the second one is just a week after the first one. From the 33rd Austrian Grand Prix, we now have the first Styrian Grand Prix with the same circuit and its 10 corners in the short 4.318 kilometers. Should we expect another cracking weekend? We have a preview ahead. If you'd like to send us a message, we'll love to read them via our social media accounts, joy slash 997 on Facebook, 024430437 on WhatsApp, or at joysportsgh on Twitter. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Alder Jr. and welcome. for staying with us and there's no better place to begin the locker room this afternoon done the UEFA Champions League and this morning's draw set the tone for an exciting 14 days or so of good football to come uh, Real Madrid Manchester City the team facing this winner Olympique Lyonnais Juventus so it will be a great match Leipzig Atletico Madrid good record in the quarterfinals three times Napoli, Barcelona, Chelsea, Bayern, München. Having scored the most goals in this Champions League 27. Atalanta, Paris Saint-Germain. So not easy for Paris Saint-Germain. Atalanta, Paris Saint-Germain concludes uh, the, uh, the line-up of the quarterfinal. Yes, special ties with so much on it for each club. We know the UEFA Champions League season is set to return on Friday, 7th August. Barcelona, Bayern, Munich, Chelsea, Juventus, Real Madrid, Napoli... Leon and Manchester City are all looking to make the next stage. Remember, Holders Liverpool were eliminated by Atletico Madrid in one of the four ties that were already concluded. And indeed, Leipzig, Atlanta and Atletico Madrid wait in the wings for their would-be openings. So we have an idea of the parents and can proceed now with analysis on the show. Well, remember, there's live commentary on Joy 99.7 FM throughout the competition's remainder. Now, though, let's bring in my colleague, Oriku Ampofo and Elon Fiaka, who have some perspective of what's to come in a few weeks. Thanks, guys, for joining me on the show. First things first, then, we need to get the remaining round 16 ties off our heads. Oriku, before COVID, the Manchester City Real Madrid tie looks slightly one-sided. That's certainly not the situation now, is it? 
I think, yeah, certainly the situation might have changed a bit considering that one key player who would have been absent for Real Madrid if the second leg had been played earlier uh, would have been Eden Hazard, who is now fit and uh, he's back to training and enjoying himself at Real Madrid again. So it has played to Real Madrid's favour. I think that if they do manage to win the La Liga title heading into this Champions League fixture, they would go in uh, with loads of confidence and we'll be looking to overturn this deficit. So it's certainly not job done and dusted, but I think one main man who has been crucial to Real Madrid after the lockdown is Sergio Ramos and he had a red card and so he would be missing the second leg and so I think that he in that sense he will be a big miss for Zinedine Zidane but you look at the form of Real Madrid, the character that they've shown after lockdown and uh, you do see that this team does have a chance and if they go on to win La Liga certainly I do tip them to be able to you know fight at least when they go to their Tejad uh, to play Manchester City, Sergio Aguero would be absent, and but he suffered that knee injury as well. So it's going to be a much more difficult affair, especially if Real Madrid do manage to get an away goal early. Well, yeah, along Chelsea would need some near perfects and lethal finishing to turn around the 3 0 deficit uh, against Bayern. It's not beyond them, but very, very difficult in these days to see such magic happen, even if they will. But you feel the Leon, the Juventus, Barcelona, Napoli ties are much closer after what we know of them post COVID? Thank you very much, George. And it's always a pleasure to contribute to topics like these. Now, um, Chelsea need a miracle. I mean, I, I think they need a lot more than near perfect and lethal finishing. And looking at the finishers within the ranks, uh, the likes of Olivier Giroud, who has uh, been, been holding the fort, while the likes of Tammy Abraham have been a bit off color. And Michi Bacuayi seems to be completely out of the reckoning. I believe Chelsea would need a miracle. A lot of people would expect them to go past Bayern. Uh, but then looking at the other fixtures, I mean, Lyon, Juventus, Barcelona, Napoli, um, looking at the leagues and the fact that for a lot of these teams, there's a lot of stage. Juventus all but have the Serie A wrapped up and Barcelona still have a lot to play for in Spain. I mean, yeah, Napoli have a, a very, very big point to prove. Um, they are not your favourites to, to go further in this Champions League. But then again, I don't think they are going to rest on their laurels whatsoever. So, I mean, we are in for a very, very fiesty next round of the Champions League. The format makes it even more competitive and I believe fireworks um, would be all would see. Let me draw you in on this, Oracle, because many expect a serious campaign uh, for the ultimate from Paris Saint-Germain. However, they have been off for too long following the culmination of the French League season. How would that affect their chances of proving their doubters wrong? For PSG, it's a tricky situation and when the Qatari took over uh, this big French club, they had huge ambitions, not just in France, but in Europe as well. And I think that the whole management and the you know the players are on borrowed time because according to the Qatari project, they should have won a European trophy by now, and that's the year for Champions League. And you look at their record in the past three seasons, and it doesn't even suggest that they are close to getting the accolade, uh, getting knocked out of the round of 16 in the past three consecutive seasons. Uh, they've been able to break that curse. And uh, they beat Dortmund in the round of 16, heading into that quarterfinal. But you look at the nature and how they lost those three consecutive round of 16 ties. And uh, it looked as if a team that was crying out for leadership, a team that was crying out for character to be able to see our games. Now, one reason why I think their chances might have been improved with a new format is that they might not need that again because they do not have to play 180 minutes and they tend to struggle to concentrate on games when there's a, lo- when there's a, a longer stretch, I would believe. And if it's just stuck to one leg, 
no home and away ties, neutral grounds, down to your talent and ability to be able to finish the game in 90 minutes. I think that they do have the capabilities. You look at the likes of Neymar and Mbappe, and people may argue that not playing the French League might put them off a bit in terms of sharpness. But hey, who really cares? It was supposed to be a summer break anyways. If the Champions League kicks off in August, that certainly means that you know, it was supposed to come after a summer break. And so every league should be ended in the next two weeks. So I think that the players would get their rest. Just that PSG might have a longer rest. And remember, they'll come back and play their cup final anyways. So they might get some game time. But it's still a difficult one to tell as to whether a longer break would be more beneficial than gaining some sharpness. But I guess we would see. At the end of the day, they do have the quality that they possess. And uh, with just 90 minutes ties and a draw, anything could go their way. Well, Rick, let's end on the Ghanaian note because I think quite a number of Ghanaians are interested in this. Can Atletico Madrid surprise everyone? Could we have another Champions League winner in Thomas Partey? For Atletico Madrid, it has been a very, very curious case. They've not had the best of domestic seasons. But what a turnaround it has been after, arguably, their biggest performance of the season at Anfield as they beat uh, defending champions Liverpool to knock them out in a round of 16. Atletico Madrid need to avoid teams that they are similar with. They need to face teams that love to possess the ball, love to move with the ball and attack. That's how come they're able to beat Liverpool. When they meet teams similar to their style of play, uh, probably like a Juventus or an Atalanta, that's when they might tend to struggle, when they have to face deep blocks and break them down. So, and for Thomas Partey, what, what a joyful uh, you know, experience it would be for Ghanaians if he's able to bring that Champions League trophy home. It would, it would be really uh, make him proud, the whole of Atletico Madrid proud, especially because he's been linked with a move to England. And if indeed he is leaving, that indeed would be the best possible note to end his six-year spell uh, with Atletico Madrid. All right, guys, we look forward to the action to come. Thank you very much, Awekwa Mpofo, for joining me on the show. And a big thank you to you, Elon Fiak, as well. But let's stay with the subject of Champions League because if Barcelona are to win this year, they will need this man. And now Messi! Messi to accelerate to look for the hat trick. He is unbelievable. Lionel Messi. Lionel Magical Messi. Yes, Messi. However, according to the Spanish radio station Cadena Ser, the Barcelona captain has broken off contract talks after finally running out of patience with the club because of constant rumors and allegations that he's one of the prime reasons for the unrest around the new camp. He's fed up with being accused of running the club, fed up of people saying he hires and fires the coaches, fed up of claims he chooses who should be signed and who should not play, and fed up with the general direction of the club and huge mistakes they have made in the transfer market. So, what's behind this? How likely is this to happen? I'm joined now on the line by the Spanish football expert, Guillaume Balagui. Thanks, Guillaume, for your time on the show. I saw your brilliant messy piece on the BBC website. But explain to us, what is wrong with Messi and how does this affect Barcelona at the moment? The first thing to say is that he has stopped negotiations for another contract. 
But remember that the last one, uh, which didn't need negotiations, uh, he now renews his contract every year, year after year, and it will be him deciding if he stays on or not. Uh, it involves, in, by May, the end of May, he's got to tell the club, I'm leaving. Well, May came and went. He didn't say anything, which means that automatically one more year is renewed under the same conditions. So new negotiations had started for a contract that should start next summer, not this summer, but next summer. And he's listed himself in his mind uh, a long uh, list of reasons why it'd be better to actually not negotiate it right now and see how it all goes. Basically, the background of it is that he is a little bit disappointed, more than a bit, with the board in terms of what they brought to the club. They said Neymar was coming and then actually he didn't come. Uh, they said that uh, Griezmann was coming and then he didn't and then he did and uh, they said we sack in Valverde but don't worry Xavi Hernández the former captain will come as a manager they didn't agree and Xavi didn't come and little by little what you see is a Barcelona struggling for money financially big time and at the same time just reducing the quality of the squad so enough reasons to actually think twice about renewing uh, he probably will do anyway we all think but meanwhile he keeps everybody in their toes why? because he wants Barcelona to be very competitive and Barcelona are going to propose to him the idea of Lautaro Martinez from Inter Milan they convinced he's going to come to Barcelona and that will be a young 24, uh, 24 year old striker from, from Argentina that can link up with well with him uh, perhaps another manager and I think Barcelona are going to try to convince Xavi Hernández again in August and all of a sudden, you start looking at some of the youngsters they've got, from Frankie the Young, Araujo the centre-back, Ansu Fati, the winger, Ricky Puig the midfielder, and it looks like this could be a more energetic young Barcelona. That's what Barcelona are trying to put to Messi to convince him to stay on. Well, Guillaume, this appears complicated than we all thought. So, they have these young players coming through. Messi would like to see a change in coach a change in the direction of the club, a change in the Barcelona transfer strategy. Is this him just exercising his power to push the club to be the one that supports his stardom? Just that? Well, he actually is saying that he's upset about people accusing him of exactly what you just said. <laughs> uh, but there is something in it, uh, in the sense that uh, quite clearly he doesn't need to stop negotiations now. Uh, that story doesn't need to be leaked, but it has come out. And it is a way of putting pressure to the board. A board that, by the way, uh, in the form of the chairman, Bartomeu, uh, won't stay on after next summer. There will be elections. And I think what Messi doesn't want to be is be used by Bartomeu to perhaps help another, uh, another candidate close to Bartomeu to stay on. So if they negotiate another contract and sign another contract, they can say, see, Messi's staying on, now you have to back my friend. He doesn't want to get into politics, but it's quite clear that uh, a player at Barcelona right now has got authority, a player like him, and like Luis Suárez or Piqué, they have a say about things. They, for instance, all of them agreed, yes, Griezmann can come, and then Griezmann did a documentary to say, I'm not coming. So they weren't particularly happy when they actually, he actually came, and that's the thing about authority. The players are saying, well, we don't want Griezmann now, we want Neymar. What happened? Griezmann came. So they can have their say, but you know they don't have the last word, obviously, in the decisions of Barcelona. Well, Guillaume, here's the big one. Barcelona without Messi seems unthinkable, but he said it's really now. There is surely a point at which Barcelona may have to start looking at life without Messi. It's the time now. 
Do you know he actually told Neymar when uh, when it became clear that Barcelona well, well clear Barcelona tried to get Neymar but perhaps not fully. In any case, at that point that was last summer, uh, Messi sent a message to Neymar and he was on these terms: "Come over, I'm going to be around for a couple of years and then you can take charge of the of the of the team." Well, that would be just before the World Cup. So is he thinking of actually a couple of years more Barcelona and then that's it? He's saying and his people are saying that uh, every year he will take a decision if he's really fit and that's why he wants a contract to be signed every year because it will depend on his physique, his, his mental, his, you know, wanting to keep playing. But right now he wants to keep playing. Right now he wants to be keep playing in a club, in a team that can compete for the biggest things. But there was an exchange of words between uh, the top players and Kike Setien, the head coach of Barcelona, after drawing against Delta, and basically the coach said, look, uh, you can get rid of me, you've done it before, meaning the players, but if you don't, and actually we work together, we are four games away from winning the Champions League, and, you know, we still got a chance in the, in the league, perhaps not so much of so. But since then, everything seems to have focused a little bit more. They almost beat Atletico Madrid, didn't happen, a draw. They beat uh, Villarreal very well away, 4-1. So may have been the turning point of this season. Uh, winning something, certainly, like the Champions League, will calm everybody down. Spanish football expert Guillaume Balagui with some insight there. Thank you very much for your time. So, what will the Champions League mini-tournament look like come August? The Champions League returns in August featuring a mini-tournament of knockout games to decide the winner. On Friday, the draw will take place for the quarter-finals, semi-finals and final, with all matches set to take place in Lisbon, Portugal. Premier League teams Chelsea and Manchester City are both aiming to take part in that mini-tournament by securing a last 8th place early August. On Thursday, UEFA announced the remaining last 16 second leg matches in both competitions will be played at home grounds behind closed doors. Atalanta, Atletico Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain and RB Leipzig are already in the quarterfinals. There are four last 16 ties where the second leg still has to be played. Manchester City versus Real Madrid with City leading 2-1 in the first leg. Bayern Munich versus Chelsea with the Germans leading 3-0. Barcelona will take on Napoli as the first leg ended 1-0. And Juventus host Lyon with the French side leading 1-0. Three draws will take place. One for the quarterfinals, one for the semifinals, and one to determine the home side in the final for administrative purposes. No teams will be seeded and there will be no country protection, meaning sides can face domestic rivals. All ties will be one match rather than over two legs and take place in Lisbon, the Portuguese capital, at either Sporting's Estadio Jose or Benfica's Estadio de Luz. The latter venue will host the final, which has been moved from Istanbul. The final is on August 23. Surely so much to look forward to. And a quick reminder, there will be live commentary on every UEFA Champions League game on Joy 99.7 FM, courtesy DSTV Supersport. And I definitely can't wait for that. But now, time to bring you the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. And as usual, I had a chat with the BBC's John Bennett. Enjoy this.
Sean for your time this weekend. Let's begin with some transfer rumors. Chelsea are reported to be close to signing by Leverkusen's Kai Havert. Do you have any news on that? Hi, George. Nice to speak to you again. Well, we've had no confirmation here at the BBC about Kai Havertz's move. But the noises coming out of Germany seem positive for Chelsea fans. It appears that he wants to leave Bayer Leverkusen this summer. I don't think Real Madrid want to sign him this summer. Maybe they'd want to do it next year, which leaves the door open for Chelsea to possibly make another move. Now, you'd know better than me, George, because you're the, you're the Chelsea fan. You follow them week in, week out. But for me, although he is a brilliant player, and listen, I... I, I he is absolutely world-class and has the potential to be a, a, a top, top player, Kai Havertz. He's already at a, at a really high level as well. But do you need another attacking player after bringing in Timo Werner, after bringing in Hakim Ziyech, uh, the likes of Pulisic in, in fantastic form? Kai Havertz, an attacking midfielder, very different to, to those two players, of course. But I think it's defensively where Chelsea need reinforcement. I like Antonio Rudiger, although he is prone to the error, an error or two. I think they need a strong centre-back alongside him. And I also think that you need to beef up the full-back areas as well, the wing-back areas. So although he would be an, an amazing signing and a brilliant addition to the Premier League, I think Chelsea seriously need to look defensively at how they can, how they can improve. Well, John, Chelsea surely in a deep race to secure the Champions League spot came through a never-racking game against Crystal Palace and most Chelsea fans are having a go at the defence and goalkeeper Kepa with the Balaga. Let's talk about Kepa, though. Has he been that bad or has been made worse by his defence? Yeah, you're right to, to mention Kepa um, and, and possibly that is a big reason why Chelsea's defence has looked, looked vulnerable. You know that if you're a defender... If you have a goalkeeper who, who you're confident will will command his area, will stop uh, the shots that he should do, you know that increases your confidence and it takes a bit of weight off your off your shoulders as well. You're able to play a bit more freely. And with with Kepper, he has a mistake in him. I, I think that his shot stopping is not at a high level. Wilfred Zaha's goal in midweek was wonderful, but I'm wondering would it, would David de Gea have stopped that? I think he probably would have done. I think David De Gea would, would probably have stopped that. Would Manuel Neuer have stopped that? I think he would. Would Jan Oblak have stopped that? I think he would. It's, it's a big problem for Chelsea. I, I, I do think they, they need to bring in a world-class goalkeeper. We thought Kepa was that world-class goalkeeper. He cost an incredible amount of money, but I just don't think he's lived up to his billing. And it's something that Chelsea, as well as looking defensively at reinforcements, I think Chelsea do need a new goalkeeper. But financially, it's going to be very, very difficult to make that deal work. Well, John, your Leicester City and uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers have lost so many points lately. Leicester at the moment have lost third place and are in danger of missing out the Champions League spot all of a sudden. Wolves lost twice on the bounce. What's happening to both clubs? I think with Wolverhampton Wanderers, tiredness may be catching up with them. We know that um, they are they play in, in intensity, don't they? Particularly on the counter attack, winning the ball back, and perhaps it has caught up with them after that that break, the suspension of football. They came back so strongly, but then you're playing every three or four days, and it is tough, uh, particularly in the Premier League, where more often than not you're going to get tough, tough opposition who have something to play for. So for Wolverhampton Wanderers, perhaps that is the reason why it's dropped off a little bit. They've had an incredible season, though. Whatever happens, their last two seasons have just been 
amazing. When you think back to where Wolverhampton Wanderers were a few seasons ago, the job that the owners have done, the recruitment staff at that club, Nuno Spirito Santo, I, I think they all deserve a pat on the back. As for Leicester City, we have seen a few improvements. They beat Crystal Palace despite a poor first-half performance last weekend. They fought back to draw against Arsenal, although they were fortunate uh, that Eddie and Ketia sending off had a big impact on that game. The good thing for them is that Jamie Vardy has started scoring again, so you'd think he might be able to inspire them to go on a run of form. But yeah, you're right, it has been tough for them. I was talking to uh, Matt Piper, who's a former Leicester player who commentates on the, on the Leicester games, and he was saying that the young players at Leicester, they've really missed the crowd because of the intense way that Leicester play. And he was also saying that, um, that there were some fitness issues at the, at the, at the start of the, the restart as well. The way Leicester play, they need to be at top, top match sharpness and match fitness, and that took a few games to get back. Obviously, they've had injuries as well. Ben Chilwell and James Madison missed the last two games. James Madison is huge for that team creatively. So it is tough for Leicester. And at the moment, if Manchester City get their ban overturned, and it is a top four, I would back Manchester United and Chelsea to, to be in those final two places below Liverpool and Manchester City because Leicester City have completely lost momentum. Well, John, let me draw you into the Champions League and its new format. We know the pairings and the schedule at the moment. How competitive will the one-legged ties be? And do you fancy Manchester City this year? I think the, the, the ties over one leg will, will make a big influence on this Champions League because it gives teams who are outsiders a greater chance. Atalanta, on their day, can beat anyone who's left, that, that is left in the, in, the, in the Champions League. They've been in great form as well in Serie A, Atalanta. So on, on their day, they could beat anyone over two legs. Could they beat Manchester City? I would have my doubts. Over two legs, could they beat Bayern Munich? I would have my doubts. But in a one-off game, they can, I, I think, on a neutral venue. So that will have a big impact, I think, on the Champions League. It, it, it's amazing to think we've only, we only got a month to wait until the Champions League. I think it's going to be very exciting. My concern is how prepared some teams will be. Paris Saint-Germain... And Leon are starting to play friendlies now, but of course they've had what what is a five month break now from competitive football. Bayern Munich have won the title, won the cup in Germany. Now they're having a break, and then they're going to have to start again for the Champions League. It's going to going to be a pre season for them. So different teams are going to be at different levels of fitness. The likes of uh, of Juventus, of Manchester City, they they're going to be. Uh, right at the end of their season that could be seen as a good thing because they have that competitive edge but could be seen as a bad thing because they'll be exhausted so that for me is a, a reason why it will be so difficult to predict what will happen in August at, at this Champions League and then you've got the added factor that it's in it's all in Portugal you don't have the ha home fans making an impact so uh, it's <laughs> very very different this Champions League to, to any we've seen before but you know, I think there's going to be a bit of added interest there. It's almost like a World Cup or a Euros or an Africa Cup of Nations. So, John, let's end with the games to come this weekend. Liverpool play Burnley, and they're definitely looking for the 100 points. Chelsea up against Sheffield. There's a not London derby between Arsenal and Tottenham Hotspur. There's Bournemouth as well up against Leicester City. How will these games impact the top four race? Yeah, yet again, it's the relegation battle in the race for the, the top four that, that, that catches the eye this weekend. Norwich City will become the first team to be relegated from the Premier League this season if they lose against West Ham. Crucial game for West Ham as well. Only three points clear of the drop zone. Uh, staying with the relegation battle, Watford level on points with West Ham going into their game against Newcastle United who were thrashed by Man City midweek. 
Bournemouth and Aston Villa currently alongside Norwich in the bottom three. Villa, I think, will feel the game against Crystal Palace is a must-win. And Bournemouth up against uh, the team you mentioned there, Leicester City, who are, are part of this other dramatic aspect of the Premier League run in the race for the top four. So you've got Leicester, Chelsea, Manchester United and Wolves all aiming to finish in those spots behind Liverpool and Man City. Sheffield United may feel they have an outside chance as well and they're at home to Chelsea. Really good game, that one. Manchester United face Southampton on Monday. Wolves at home to Everton. So, yeah, that for me, I think actually the relegation battle could be sorted with a couple of games to go before the end of the season. I think Bournemouth and Aston Villa might drop away. So we're, we're just relying on the race for the top four for a bit of drama, George. Thank you. John Bennett is the BBC's football reporter and did join us on the Joy Sports BBC two-ray series. It's now time to get a detailed preview of games to come in La Liga Santander and Serie A as well as the English Premier League. Here's Joy Sports. Moses, you're well with the wrap. Real Madrid will be looking to continue their charge towards the La Liga title when they welcome Loli Alaves to the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium on Friday night. Los Blancos currently sit a point clear of second-placed Barcelona at the top of the table with a game in hand, as victory will put Zinedine Zidane's side four-point clear with three games to go. On Saturday, Barcelona will travel to take on 14th-placed Valladolid in a do-or-die encounter that could see Barcelona concede the title to Real Madrid. Barcelona cannot afford any more slip-ups and will have to pick up three points from what can potentially be a tricky away fixture. Third place, Atletico Madrid will be looking to return to winning ways in Spain's top flight when they welcome Real Betis to Wanda Metropolitano on Saturday night. Diego Simeone's men know what is at stake in this game because only goal difference separate them from hot on their heels Sevilla who take on Mallorca on Sunday. A big top four matchup is on the Serie A schedule for this Saturday when Juventus host Atalanta. Juve are top the Serie A table and will look to keep Lazio far in the rearview mirror. Atalanta are looking for a miraculous second place finish, so the high flying squad will look to take down the Italian giant. Juventus are in first place with 75 points and are on their way to another Scudetto. Juve holds 7-point lead over 2nd place Lazio, who will take on Sassuolo, and a 9-point lead over 3rd place Atalanta. Inter sit in 4th place on 64 points. And in the English Premier League, Chelsea have their eyes on a top 3 finish as they travel to Sheffield United on Saturday. Recent results have seen Frank Lampard's Blues leapfrog Leicester City into 3rd place in the table. But the pressure is on with Manchester United lurking not far behind. But the big game is on Sunday where Tottenham Hotspur take on Arsenal in what could prove to be one of the most important North London derby clashes in recent years. Both clubs have changed managers this season. Jose Moreno and Mikel Arteta are the helm after Maurizio Pochettino and Una Emery were sacked towards the end of 2019. It is fair to say neither side has enjoyed a hugely successful campaign, but both Spurs and the Gunners are looking to end it on a high as they chase Champions League qualification. on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Lights out and away we go! And Bottas gets away very nicely indeed. Verstappen alongside Lando Norris, Albon and Hamilton. 
Hamilton going will to win as Bottas, but Valtteri Bottas wins the season opener here in Austria. It is the Mercedes 1-2 on the road, but Hamilton will not keep second place. He gets a five-second penalty. Charles Leclerc, after a miserable weekend, gets on the podium, and Lando Norris gets on the podium for the first time in Formula One because of Lewis Hamilton's penalty, and by a tenth of a second, Lando Norris is a podium sitter. So Formula One next on the locker room and we know Formula One will host a second consecutive race in Austria under the Styrian Grand Prix banner. The race was hailed a success as two safety car periods and a plethora of retirements delivered an exciting contest up and down the grid. So what should we expect this weekend? And joining me is the BBC's Formula One commentator, Joylan Palmer and our in-house F1 reporter, Raymond Nyamado. Guys, thank you very much for your time. But of course, before we get into the analysis, uh, remember, the double Formula 1 champion, Fernando Alonso, will return to the sport next year with Renault. Uh, now, the Spaniard left F1 at the end of the 2018 season, but always kept the door open for their potential comeback. And it's one most Formula 1 fans are keeping the taps on. Remember, he's won the title twice. So, guys, let's get in on it right now. And I have to say thank you to you, Joel and Palmer, for joining us. It's the first time on the locker room. Valtteri Bottas claimed victory for Mercedes after starting from pole position with Ferrari driver Charles Leclerc recovering from a disappointing qualifying to finish second. How did you assess that race? Fundamentally, Bottas didn't have as good pace as Hamilton, who was able to drive consistently within a second of Bottas and was reeling him in before the first safety car. And I think without that first safety car, Bottas was in trouble because he was looked like he was going through the tyres quite quickly and he wouldn't have had any any hands to play in, in the strategic game that was about to follow. Hamilton could have tried to undercut him if he got there or forced Bottas to pit early and then Hamilton goes long and would attack him at the end of the race. But because the safety car came, the first one, they both pitted, the two Mercedes, were onto the same tyre and then it let Bottas off the hook there. So... I don't think it was one of his better drives, but circumstances meant that he won the race. And he, look, seven's not a bad score. I do think Bottas has some let-offs, but I, I also think he did well under the amount of pressure he had for the amount of time he had from Hamilton not to make a lock-up, not to miss an apex, because Hamilton would have been through because he had a lot of fire in his belly. So nonetheless, you know, to win a race ahead of Hamilton is a, is a very good achievement. Well, Joel, let me stay with you because McLaren's Lando Norris next to the final spot on the podium from world champion Lewis Hamilton after setting the fastest lap of the race on the last tour. Are we going to see more of Norris or was it just, just a fluke of a sort? <laughs> Lando did a great job. He, uh, he finally managed to convert a great qualifying performance into a race result. He did it the hard way by dropping back, lost a couple of positions and then did a brilliant pass on Perez which enabled him to go for fastest lap at the end and Pip Lewis Hamilton so really chuffed for Norris he's shown great pace already last year and finally put the race result in he had a good start he was attacking Verstappen that's been a weakness of his last year and I still maintain you know Norris last year nipping at the heels of Carlos Sainz but not as good in the races one out of one so far for him this year really solid display Sainz had a good race as well but Norris finally put the whole weekend together and bam he's on the podium and with like four or five laps to go i thought norris was done because science was behind him trying to get past he'd fallen back from perez and so i thought science was was yeah he, he was done he was going to finish behind science behind perez you know un, unlucky the way the race had panned out etc but he managed to stave off that attack 
hunt down Perez, pass Perez when he almost didn't need to, and then charge through and uh, and catch up with with Hamilton. Right, let's bring in Raymond Hamilton now. And Ray, same track, same Australia this weekend. What do you expect from Lewis Hamilton, Charles Leclerc, and Max Verstappen? Who felt they should have done better last time out? Everybody expected that Lewis Hamilton would go for this race. But you look at what happened to him. First of all, he had to be demoted to fifth on the grid at start of the race. And also um, the crash with Alexander Albon. This will be the second time in three races. Both drivers have crashed. It happened in Interlagos. And so look at that five-second penalty he actually suffered. And you could always tell that Lewis Hamilton was going to have a very difficult day. That notwithstanding, he was able to pick some points. And you would expect that since he self-distracted in that race, he would actually bounce back stronger. He would bounce back and actually do what everybody expects him to do. And you also look at a driver like Max Verstappen. What happened to him could happen to any driver. You look at the fact that he actually suffered what you would call a power failure. And looking at his performance in qualifying, looking at his performance in practice, everybody expected that Max Verstappen was going to win his third consecutive race at the Red Bull ring. But that didn't happen. And you can always expect that if Red Bull are able to get their act right, definitely Max Verstappen on his day should be able to give you some impressive impressive uh, performance and so I'm also expecting that once he's able to sort himself out he should be able to come back stronger. You also look at a driver like Charles Leclerc and during qualifying he did struggle. He finished 7th during qualifying. Uh, Vettel also performed poorly. He also finished ninth. and so you look at how things went for them. They actually benefited from the mishaps to the Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen and so you can clearly tell that there was an element of lack in there for Ferrari to actually finish on the podium and I'm expecting that looking at their struggles in qualifying a lot has been said about their chances a lot has been said about you know the SF1000 challenger it hasn't you know really lived up to expectation the good news in there is that Team Ferrari are hoping to actually introduce the updates to where they are scheduled for Hungary for this particular race. So it could go their way. It may not go their way because it's still a bit of a gamble. But you can always say that Charles Leclerc, you know, did finish on the podium because of the lapses of their other two drivers. And they should actually be feeling like they snatched victory out of the jaws of defeat. And so that in itself doesn't give me confidence in Team Ferrari. But, you know, they were able to get the maximum points and you give them full credit for that. Should be an intriguing race, definitely, Raymond. Uh, let's hear from you again. I mean, gentlemen, let me bring him in because I call him poor Sebastian Vettel. It, it, it does not really look good at all. And it looked a very typical performance of the four-time world champion last week. Could it get any worse for a man broken inside with just so much on his mind? Um, I, I feel for Sebastian Vettel right now because of all those reasons. And the fact that Leclerc drove the wheels off it to get second place, it really heightens it. And even... The two-tenth margin that Leclerc beat him by, it, it was highlighted by the fact that Vettel was out in Q2 and Leclerc was in Q3 at least and could qualify seventh. So there's, there's things going against Sebastian Vettel right now. He's leaving the team at the end of the year. His motivation must be as low as it's ever been in Formula One, I would suggest. You, you'd say, how does he pick himself up? Where, where's the motivation coming from when he's got a car that can scavenge lower end points in a, in, a, in a battle against the McLarens and racing points in a normal world where the Mercedes and, and Red Bulls are scoring that's as, as good as it looks at the moment they've got an upgrade package coming which he might be pinning his hopes on but I have to say I was kind of thinking this a little bit already as before Singapore last year after Monza and we were having this chat and at that point it wasn't clear he was leaving the team mm. but he came back and he won the race so I, Sebastian Vettel has mental resolve but he, what he's got to do is he's just got to stop these... He's in a horrible state in wheel-to-wheel -wheel incidents. And it's the same thing every time where he's spinning the carts, 
to prevent side-by-side -side contact. If Lewis Hamilton alongside Alex Albon, if Vettel was in that car instead of Hamilton, they're not touching, but Vettel's spinning off into the gravel. Mm. Hamilton instead doesn't keep the steering on. He just hits Albon. Albon spins out and Hamilton can carry on. Yeah, it's not great from Hamilton. He got penalty, but he finished the race in, in uh, fourth position still. Vettel is more afraid of the contact. He's putting himself in bad places, but then he's more afraid of the contact, keeping the car steering to avoid the contact, and he's, uh, he's just spinning himself out and, and no one else, which is, you know, nice on the other person. But he's done it in Monza in 2018. It's all, it's the same as the ball jack. Bahrain was a little bit different last year. It was more on traction, but they're all the same spin. And he's, he's done it again. Right, so Raymond, uh, I let you off the hook last weekend with predictions for the weekend. Uh, we can definitely do now because of what we saw last weekend. So what are your predictions then? Definitely, they need to have a very strong mentality going into this race. And you look at Lewis Hamilton, for instance, he needs to bounce back strongly because every point matters at this particular point in time, not knowing how many races we might have this season. I think that every point matters and he should be in the best mental state to actually get into this one. I'm expecting um, Team Red Bull to put their things together, put their acts right. And you also look at Valtteri Bottas. He does have to make sure that, look, he's able to finish on the podium and also make sure that he you know he doesn't capitulate after his impressive performance in the last week so you know a lot of mentality will come to play and you look at team ferrari also team ferrari themselves they were not too impressive, but they were able to actually, you know, finish on the podium. Leclerc was able to finish on the podium, and that actually did paper over the cracks in that team. It did paper over the lots of issues that Team Ferrari have. But the good news is that they will be introducing a new update this weekend, and so, you know, that might also, you know, play in their way. But you look at the top drivers who should actually finish on the podium. I think that Lewis Hamilton might win this race. This might be, you know, his first win in Austria. And you also look at Max Verstappen. He will be a tough competitor. I'm also expecting him to finish on the podium. And Valtteri Bottas. I think that he would, you know, maintain his place on the podium just like he did in the last race. But I'm not fancying Ferrari for this race because a lot will be going on with the chassis and it could be a very huge gamble for Ferrari to take going into this weekend's race. And so for me, Lewis Hamilton first, uh, Max Verstappen second and Valtteri Bottas probably finishing in third place. Thank you very much, Ruben Yamado, for your time on the show as always. Uh, we'll be looking forward to the race and all the best to you, Julian Palmer, ahead of your coverage in Austria uh, of the second race of the season. Guys, thank you so much for your time. And indeed, that's all time will allow us for on our show this afternoon. Remember, we have live commentary of the North London derby between Arsenal and Spurs on the sports arena on Sunday. There's a big one as well on the sports link tomorrow as usual. We've got uh, great interviews there. Keep following us on our various social media accounts at Joy Sports GH on Twitter, at Joy Sports GH as well on Instagram, which is fast growing. You can read our stories on myjoyonline.com when you click the sports tab. And indeed, you can check us out on Facebook as well. It's Joy Sports. My name is George Adder Jr. It's been great counting your way. Till we meet next week, be good. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.6. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. 7FM, the podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC World Service. Joy 99.7 FM. Celebrating 25 years of media excellence. Hello and welcome to Joy.